Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Monday. Nothing personal word of the day. Today is 11122. January 11, 2022. I like numbers. It's 11122. 33. We are only 11 years away from having 3333. Anyway, Black Monday. That is a day that is referred to the first Monday after the last game of the regular season of the National Football League when owners look themselves in the mirror, and say, God, do we stink. We got to do better. When's the last time we fired our GM? Oh, all right, so we got to hold on to the GM. When's the last time we fired our coach? Okay, all right, we can do that. What about both? Should we do both? If we do both, that's going to be a pain in the neck. We're going to have to hire a GM and then a coach. It's a lot. Should we have won? It's the question owners ask. Did we underperform? Did we outperform? Do we give an extension? Is there someone out there we've tampered with who can lead our team to the promised land, Bruce Springsteen? There are, how many football playoff teams are there, Coca? There's seven, 14 out of 32, does that sound right? Seven per conference? So 18 owners, assuming I'm right, assuming Coca's even on the show, assuming even pressed record, They wake up and say, who's first? Well, the Denver Broncos said, we're first. And they fired Vic Fangio. See you later. We tweeted about that and said they're going to have a hard time finding a new coach right now. But they will. They're trying to sell their team. Remember that segment we did on the crazy sell going on with right of first refusal? Well, they're going to have to speak to the bidders and say, here's the coach. Here's the contract. We're going to give a four-year deal at $5 million a year. Are you okay with that? Because you don't want to sign a big contract for either a player or an executive while you're selling the team because then you're in danger of having an offset when you do sell the team where the owner says, well, I don't want that coach and you're paying him way too much. So if we agree to pay $2 billion, we're now paying $2 billion minus $20 million. So you speak to the bidders and say, hey, we're thinking of hiring John Cocktoston. What do you think about that? Well, I'd rather have Dr. Rosenrosen. Okay, we'll hire Dr. Rosenpenis. And that's that for the Broncos. But they, that wasn't it. And they didn't even wait till Black Monday. They did it earlier. I can't remember what day, but it doesn't matter. So we wake up yesterday morning. We do the show, and then we start getting word. We start with McClaskey. He's the owner of the Bears. I don't know what he's talking about. I encourage you not to listen to his press conference. I can't even imitate it. I can't critique it. I can't summarize it. All I can say is I'm sorry to all Bears fans. Matt Nagy 
is no longer the coach of the Bears, and that is the least of your problems. So that was fine. Then my friends, the Wilfs, they own the Minnesota Vikings. Very good family, charitable family, good people. Trying to figure out why they were good, then they haven't been good. There's got to be a problem there. About a week ago, their coach, Mike Zimmer, got fired. Now, it wasn't announced till Black Monday, but we know Mike Zimmer got fired when he took the microphone and was talking about his quarterback and said, you know, I really would uh, like to never see that man again. It would be too soon. Do you like that expression when you see someone? Hey, I'll see you soon. Not too soon. Too soon would be not far enough. So that's it for Mike Zimmer. But then the Will family said, no, no, we're going to start all over for real. I mean, from start to finish. There's several questions that you ask when you're an owner. If I hire a new GM, do I let the new GM hire the new coach? Do I keep the coach, fire the GM, and then have a GM come in and say, that's your coach? Do I keep the coach, fire the GM, bring in the new GM and say, if you want to fire the coach, you fire the coach. I'm not going to fire the coach. I don't want to fire the coach. You want to fire the coach? We can show that the GM has power. Go ahead. Or we can hire one guy and say, you do both. Are you available, Bill Parcells? Or Cower? Or Tony Dungy? Not sure any of those guys are going to come back and coach. So the Vikings fired Rick Spielman, the former Dolphins executive. They need a GM. They fired their coach, Mike Zimmer. Eight years as coach. Nary a bowl of super flakes. See you later. So the day is proceeding, and everyone's waiting to see what's going to happen with the New York Giants. That's, that's, everyone's on Twitter. Everyone's in a frenzy. If you're a New Yorker and a Giants fan, you are despondent. You want to get rid of Gittleman, the GM. You want to get rid of Judge, because frankly, Judy would be a better coach than Judge. You watch the last game of the season against the WFT, wondering how you do a quarterback sneak on third and nine, deep in your own end zone, in your own territory. I get it. But really, as an owner, you're not focused on a play. You're focused on a scheme. You're focused on a system. You're focused on results because while owners will tell you they love process, they're lying to you. Owners are consequentialists. They love results. Sometimes the process can trump the results when you're disrespectful to the owner or you can't stand being around the coach even though the team is doing well, and that's when you fire managers of the year or coaches of the year or playoff coaches. But in general, owners will swallow hard and take it if their team performs. The Giants are a dumpster fire. So the first news we get yesterday is that Dave Gittleman walks into John Mara's office. John Mara says, "Uh, let me start. No, no, Dave says, I'll start. No, no. I'll start. I'm the owner. John Mara took over the team in 2005 when his father, Wellington Mara, passed away. John Mara has won four Super Bowls with the Giants, two before he really took over as owner, back in my day, back in my day, and two since then with the catch on the helmet, etc. the Manning's Super Bowls. John said, Dave, we're going to have to make a change. No, no. Stop in the name of love. 
I'm retiring. That's what I've been trying to say. Really, Dave? No, no, I swear to you, John, I had no idea you were going to fire me. I don't read the papers. I don't read Twitter. I have no assistance. I have nobody who works for me who tells me the truth. I'm surrounded by psychophants. I can't figure out who should be playing left tackle or right end or defensive back. So I'm good. I'm old. I'm going out to pasture. Dave, I was going to offer you an extension. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm in. Dave, I'm just kidding. See you later. Oh, yeah. Can you throw me a retirement party? So that's it for Dave Gittleman. And then Dave walks out of the building and in comes Joe Judge. And this is what happened between John Mara and Joe Judge. John, are you there? Come in, please. Hi, John. Hello, Joe. Have a seat. No, I'm okay. No, no, Joe. Please have a seat. Thank you, John. How's the family? Good. And yours? Thank you. They're fine. You know, there's a little bit of tension, a little bit of pressure, trying to figure out what we can do better next year, knowing that we've got the players in place. Wait a minute, Joe, you think you've got the players in place? Well, I don't really think I've got good enough players. I got to tell you, I haven't spoken to Dave recently, but John, I wanted to sit and talk to you because I believe we got to do better at GM. I believe, you know, we have two picks in the top 10. We really need better players. Hey, Joe, I appreciate that. You're going to read in about seven minutes that Dave Gittleman has retired. No way. Oh, all right, John. I have to give you a presentation. Ready? Yeah, can I borrow the PowerPoint and, and the projector? Okay, slide one. Things that need to happen for the Giants to win. Bullet point A, Coach Joe Judge needs a say in who the next general manager is. Open parens, assuming Dave Gittleman is fired, open second parens, as he should be, close both parens. John, I just want to delete that part because obviously I thought I was meeting with you first. I didn't realize that Gittleman retired, but just ignore that. But the first bullet point is correct. I believe that in order for us to succeed, I need more control over the players. Therefore, I want to say in who the next GM is. Well, thank you, Joe. Any, anything else you want to say? Yes, bullet point two. I would appreciate it when I'm calling plays and when we're executing our game plan that the phone doesn't ring on the bench and that people in your ownership group, I don't want to say it's you, John, but I really don't want to be interrupted during a game with any comments or any thoughts. Just L-M-D-M-J. Um, Joe, what are you talking about? Let me do my job. Joe, I come into the clubhouse and the locker room after every game. I give you a pat on the tuchus. I say, great job when we win. I say, great job when we lose. I'm totally even keeled. You're in charge of the ship, and I believe in you, Joe. Oh, all right. Skip the next slide then. Okay, slide three. Well, Joe, what was slide two? Well, slide two is that I really wanted you to believe in me, so thank you. I'm going right to slide three. Slide three. The importance of talent slash character, question mark? I believe our approach has been wrong, John, with players. We need to bring in players of the highest integrity, of the greatest character. Skills be damned. Chemistry is for losers. Injuries 
are for the weak. The approach to building this team has to be bringing in players who will play regardless of injury. You want to talk about painkillers? I'll give you a painkiller. We need painkillers. Joe, I'm not exactly positive that your approach is right. So I wanted to tell you, now just relax. Here's where I think we're going to go. I'm going to do an extensive search and I'm going to hire the next GM. Well, John, can I give you suggestions? Thank you, Joe. Feel free to put them in my suggestion box, which is just outside the office. Then once the new GM comes in, we're going to ask him or her or them whether or not they want to keep you or yours or theirs. Well, John, what do I do about preparing for next season? I've got the combines to go to. I've got a draft to figure out, and I've got game plans to put in. You know, we know our schedule, John. Do me a favor, Joe. Why don't you scurvy out of the office, and I'll be right back to you. Well, wait a minute. Should I meet the media? No, no. I have the perfect plan. I'm going to let the players meet the media instead of you. Have you ever seen a bigger cluster duck than what's going on in a meeting between John and Joe? John gets Gittleman to retire, wink, wink. He doesn't fire Judge. The fan base is despondent. The sponsors are questioning. The players have no loyalty to Judge whatsoever. And the Giants keep merrily rolling along like they are the conductor and ringleader of a three-ring circus. So we're waiting, and we're waiting, and then boom, the hammer drops. It can't be. That's not the, that, that can't be, right? Steven, are you there? Steven, I know you're an octogenarian, and I know that you've had a less successful tenure owning the Dolphins than Jeffrey, Laurie, and David Sampson had with the Marlins, because they at least won a World Series. You haven't won a playoff game since you took over. I can't remember the last play of the game the Dolphins have won, but hold on. Did I read that right? Oh, you're firing the GM Chris Greer because your draft picks stink. Your team has finished over 500 two years in a row. Your expectation of playoffs has been unrealistic given the personnel. So I totally agree that Chris Greer should have been let go. The GM of the Dolphins, Chris Greer, who's had opportunity after opportunity, very nice guy, by the way, big baseball fan, opportunity after opportunity to make good decisions, hasn't made them. He has been relieved of his duties. Wait a minute. I'm panning down Twitter. Chris Greer retained by the Dolphins? Brian Flores fired? No, that's not right. Hold on, that's not a good source. That's Adam Pelissaro? I thought it was Adam Schechter. And then Tom... Oh, wait a minute. Barry Jackson of the Herald? He has the scoop? No. All right, ready, Coca? We just got word that Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins has been canned in a move that is so awesome Stephen Ross kept Chris Greer the GM the architect of the losing and fired the head coach that his players loved and that had performed outperformed 
but the Miami Dolphins released a statement. When statements are released, I want to tell you how it works. The PR department writes a statement. The GM looks at the statement, approves it. The president looks at the statement, approves it. The owner looks at the statement and approves it. The Miami Dolphins released a statement that said the Miami Dolphins announced today that head coach Brian Flores has been relieved on his duties. Wait, is there, there's a typo? There's a typo in a statement? There's four people who are supposed to look at that statement. What kind of rinky-dink operation are you running that you can't even get the statement without a typo? All right, but maybe the quote from Steve Ross will be better. I made a decision today to part ways with Brian Flores, said Stephen Ross. After evaluating where we are as an organization and what we need going forward to improve, I determined that key dynamics of our football organization weren't functioning at a level I want it to be and felt this decision was in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins. I believe we have a talented young roster in place and have the opportunity to be much better in 2022. I want to thank Brian for his hard work and wish him nothing but the best in his future. That's a lot of eyes in a statement. We're pretty careful not to put eyes in statements. Organizations are we's, Steve. There's a bunch of people. The only thing you must have decided is that you were going to listen to Chris and not Brian. But if you're listening to Chris, then why is it that you're saying that the key dynamics of the football organization are not functioning at a level that you want to be? Does the GM have anything to do? Or are you the type of owner where the GM doesn't do anything? You decide who to draft. You decide who to play. You approve the playbook. The game plan? If that's the case, you better put we in there. Or maybe you should just explain that Chris should make the announcement because he felt that key things were missing on the field. Because the way you put it, and it was approved by you, and it's out there in the atmosphere for all to read, including Brian, is that the entire organization is not functioning at a level you want it to be. And here's another little hint to the PR people in Miami. I don't know who you are. At the end of a statement where you fire people, and I've got some experience in this, you don't give the resume of the person you fired. That's when you hire someone. The Dolphins finished their statement with Flores was named the 13th head coach in team history on February 4th, 2019. He began his coaching career as a special teams assistant for New England, 08-09. In 10, Flores served as an offensive assistant, worked with special teams. He spent his final eight seasons, 11-18, in New England, coaching defense. Who cares? Are you trying to say that when you hired him, he had all of the street cred that would make it a great hire? But since then, he's been horse crap, and now you're getting rid of him? Where's the mention? of the drafts, the incredible failures. Huh. Strange statement. Brian Flores responded with a good statement. He thanked the Dolphins. He did not mention his owner. He used to love his owner when his owner gave him a job. Do you know that when people get fired, they never mention the owner? They never thank the president or the owner. They thank the fans, the players, the staff. Brian said it was an honor to represent the franchise and lead this group of men. I am grateful most of all for the players, coaches, and support staff who gave everything they had on a daily basis to help us win games. First of all, Brian, when you're interviewing, because you're going to get another job, let me give you a clue. 
don't say it was an honor to represent this group of men because that means there's no women who you lead. And I'm really hoping the Dolphins have hired some women in a position where you are leading them. Secondly, when you're grateful for players, coaches, and support staff, are you grateful to the owner who gave you the chance, who made you a head coach, who now has made you look so good by firing you that you're guaranteed to get another job? Managers love to be fired by me because they knew, ha, ah, we were fired by Samson and Loria. I will work again. I think you got to thank the owner. Maybe that's just me. So Dolphins fans are in a complete uproar. And that's it. Black Monday passes. Joe Judge is coaching. The Dolphins are without a head coach. The Vikings need a GM and a head coach. The Bears need a GM and a head coach. And then Tuesday came. Tuesday came. And the Panthers did not fire their coach. Is that amazing? Matt Rule went 10 and 23 since he's been coach. 0 and 6 against coaches who got fired this year. They fired their offensive coordinator. They fired their offensive line coach. They fired their special teams coach. They fired their defensive line coach. <laughs> I like it. Do you know how that happens? That's when we fire hitting coaches and pitching coaches. Strength and conditioning coaches, trainers. You fire everyone because you don't want to admit that your manager choice was wrong. The Panthers owner, I think it's a guy named DT, David Tepper. They are an underperforming team who brought in Sam Darnold thinking they could rescue him from the hands of Woody Harrelson. <laughs> Coca. It's Woody Johnson, not Woody Harrelson. Sam Darnold really was something, wasn't he? He was pretty good. Pretty good. So, another Black Monday is in the book. 18 teams are excited about the preseason, and 14 teams are getting ready to go for Lombardi. All right, when we come back, I was asked to watch a documentary, and I did, and it was fascinating. And we're going to talk about what the Yankees did and how the new manager of the Yankees, who is the old Aaron Boone, when he gets let go, he will have no choice but to not just thank a group of men. He will have to thank women too. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, going on YouTube, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Hit subscribe. Don't you want to see the blazer of the day? Is that velvet? Blue shirt, red blazer. 
need a haircut, may get a pre-wedding haircut, may not, pre-wedding shave. Yes, my daughter's wedding is this weekend. We will talk more about that. Father of the bride. I don't even know what to say about that. I don't. Need, first of all, I don't know how to dance, so I'm anxious about the father-daughter dance. Secondly, I'm trying to figure out the emotion of a life cycle event and how to deal with that. The anxiety of the drama that goes on in weddings, knowing that something will go wrong, what will it be? Hoping for good weather, planning for bad weather, figuring out who's going to have COVID, who's not. It will be emotional. But in the meantime, I'm here and Coke is there and we're still watching movies every day. There's a documentary called The Lost Leonardo. How many of you go to garage sales or go through the stuff when people die, go through your parents or grandparents' stuff, and you're looking for a diamond in the rough? A diamond in the rough is an expression like a uh, needle in a haystack. It means you're looking for something that nobody knows what it is. Nobody thinks it's of any value. You think it could be a value, but you're not sure, and so you buy it. And then you read the article, this person found a long lost dino head in Nicolas Cage's basement, thought it was not worth anything, and boom, it's worth $10 million. Somebody found a watercolor that was done by a two-year-old. It turns out it was done by Picasso, $30 million. So be careful when you're selling your stuff at a garage sale. The Lost Leonardo is about a picture that was bought by two men in New Orleans, in the United States of America, Louisiana. Louisiana. How good am I at accents, Coco? Louisiana. New Orleans. Is that how to do it? Nor- I think you just make it one word, right? Not New Orleans. That's what I used to say. I'm going to New Orleans. I think it's New Orleans. $1,125. They saw a picture and said, you know, there's something to this. This sort of looks like it could be a Leonardo da Vinci for $1,125. It must have been done by one of his pupils back then in the Renaissance period. I could speak Spanish with that rolling of the R's like that. In the Renaissance period. I don't know why my voice goes up when I do that. The That just sounds like a boat now. In the Renaissance period, you had Leonardo put a few brush strokes on a canvas. Maybe you had the people he was teaching. Maybe you had some restorers. Maybe you had some underlings, some pupils, whatever. But to have a real Leonardo da Vinci, and Coca is very aware of who Leonardo da Vinci is because he just saw the Mona Lisa live and in person at the Louvre in Paris. He took the selfie with Mona Lisa. Will you post the selfie you took of the Mona Lisa? Are you willing to do that, Coca? Did you take a selfie with the Mona Lisa? Didn't you send me a selfie with the Mona Lisa where they line up, take a photo now? Coca, Coca, can you hear me? Are you looking for the selfie? <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a rhyme. So these guys buy for $1,125. It's in terrible shape. It looks like it's been painted over. They hire a restorer. A restorer of art basically restores art <laughs> back to the state it was in when it was originally painted by the painter. But the question is, who painted it? And there is a multi-year intrigue. You can't even write this in a movie. It is ruled 
that this picture of Salvador Mundi, that's the image that they bought in New Orleans, was an actual Leonardo da Vinci. Then someone bought that Leonardo da Vinci for $83 million and then sold it an hour later for $137 million to a Ruski, a oligarch who was looking to put some Tide in the washing machine and out comes a Leonardo. Then it turns out it got sold again for a record $450 million. At auction, Jeffrey Loria was at that auction, not bidding. Hadn't met Jeter by then. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Derek. Who bought it? Some anonymous guy who turns out to be a Saudi prince buys the Salvador Mundi for $450 million, $400 million to the Russian guy who owned it, $50 million of commission to the auction house Christie's. And now no one knows where the piece is. There have been Leonardo da Vinci expositions in Paris, thinking that they would get this famous image, famous work of art, and the Saudi prince changed his mind. There are two documentaries about this right now. Watch The Lost Leonardo. While you think I've given away the story, I haven't come close. You will follow this. You will learn about art. You'll learn about the crazy world of valuing art. You'll learn about what it is to have an eye for art. And you'll learn about what people do when they have more money than God. The Lost Leonardo. Okay, it's time for the MLB lockout update. And that's your MLB lockout update. But teams are still operating. The New York Yankees made a historic hire the other day. I meant to get to this yesterday, but couldn't because I don't know why. The New York Yankees have hired Rachel Balkovec to manage a minor league affiliated team. I want you to breathe that in. Let it resonate for a second. Rachel Balkovec is a woman who is now a manager of the New York Yankees low A team in Tampa. That's the team that plays at their spring training site. That is a team that has, it used to be called short season A. It is an affiliated minor league team with a major league team. Your drafted prospects, your best Drafted prospects will play on this low double-A team after they're drafted in June. And they will be managed by a woman. The first time ever that there is a woman manager for an affiliated minor league team. This is great news to all of the people out there who wanted to be Kim Ang and who think she doesn't have any power with the Marlins because it's all Jeter. When you are a manager, you are a manager. When you're a general manager, you're not always a general manager. But when you're a manager, even when your head of player development tells you who's on your team, tells you who to play and for how many at-bats, tells you who to pitch and for how many innings, 
you are responsible to develop and work with this group of young men. It never occurred to me between 2000 and 2017 to hire a woman as a manager. And I want to explain myself because it feels archaic now when only five years later, so many opportunities are happening. We had women in our front office. We always got good grades from the diversity review board, which is easy in Miami. Not that I wouldn't have done it had it been hard. But there was something old school in my mind growing up in sports, always wanting to play team sports, and then running a major league team. How would it work? I couldn't get past the surfacey bullcrap about locker rooms and showers and clubhouses and respect. And I was so wrong. It's not that women presented themselves. It's not that my player development people said, hey, we want to hire this woman. Are you in? And I said, I'm out. It never even got presented to me. Since I was in charge of the team, I'm the one to blame. I should have asked the harder questions. Why aren't we hiring women in these positions? We saw that San Francisco Giants, the first time I saw a woman in a major league field, I believe was the San Francisco Giants who had a trainer who was a woman. And I looked at it, I thought about it, and then I didn't think about it again. And it's not that there were qualified women who I passed over. I never even had a woman presented to me because I didn't ask to have a woman presented to me. I asked for other minorities to be presented to me. I was very focused on that because it's the right thing to do. And it was helpful to our organization. It's important to have people reporting to people who look like them, who sound like them, and who are respected by them. Can women have that same respect and get that same respect on a baseball field, inside a clubhouse? It's an unequivocal yes. Because do you know what? drafted prospects want they want to get sent up to high a then double a and then the big leagues they want to hit arbitration and then free agency they want to get paid and to get paid they have to be better because in baseball nobody drafted is ready for the big leagues now some teams bring players up immediately they're not ready. Are there exceptions? Ovs. But baseball is the one sport where development happens as a professional. Minor leaguers get paid, albeit a pittance, but they get paid. The players are focused on their careers. Do you know how I know how to judge whether or not Rachel has been a good manager? The same way I would judge how Rocco would be a good manager, how William would be a good manager. I should have known better when William plays with dolls. Thank you, Marlo Thomas, free to be you and me. Rachel will be judged by the development of her players, the ones who were expected by the scouts who drafted them, 
to move through the system and become performing major leaguers. Rachel will be judged in the same harsh light as all minor league managers, sometimes unfairly. And that type of equality and that type of inspection is all a woman or a man should ask for. Give me a chance to succeed. Give me a chance to show you that gender doesn't matter, color doesn't matter, performance matters, period. Congratulations to the New York Yankees for making a decision. Congratulations to Rachel. And I look forward to watching the low season, low A season in Tampa. I look forward to seeing the prospects who were drafted by the Yankees and following her career because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. As owners get younger, there will be a woman manager in Major League Baseball because the new group of owners will realize that winning can be accomplished by anybody. Nothing personal pick of the day. We are H-O triple. Did you have Georgia? I read a tweet, Coca, that the majority of people on all these online DraftKings and all the others were taking Alabama, getting the two and a half. It moved to three, which means people were taking Georgia, actually. I don't even understand. We had Georgia minus two and a half. The books had Georgia minus three. Doesn't matter. We're six and one. I don't know if you watched the championship game. People who had the over were sweating. There were 29 points scored in a frenzied fourth quarter, the last seven of which, six of which on a pick six. Get it? It's pick six when you intercept a ball and score. Anyway, Georgia was there, and everything was going great. I was all excited for the pick of the day. And then they pan on the sideline to this man who looked like he was 100 years old. And I said, is that the owner of Georgia? Is that the father of one of the players, the grandfather of one of the players? Is that the provost, the president? Who am I looking at? And then... They said it was Vince Dooley, and I almost had heart failure. My view of Vince Dooley from coaching Georgia is that he's young. I can picture him, but I hadn't seen him in, what is it, Coca? A score and a half? There was Vince Dooley, all excited that Georgia was winning the national championship, and there was Nick Saban, despondent beyond repair, and the best part is that Dooley as an 89-year-old had an opportunity to celebrate while Nick Saban has to wait till next year. Of course, he didn't miss the opportunity to get good press after the game. The press after the game by Nick Saban. He sits in press conferences, players in a press conference, and he comes in and saves the day and shows what a great leader he is, blah, 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 blah. Alabama got beaten, and I am none too displeased. That's two negatives, Coca. That means I am pleased. We are six and one. Did you see John Morant's block? John Morant is the player for the Grizzlies we've been talking about. John Morant is the player who should be on the Pelicans because he should have been drafted first instead of Zion. I can't play Williamson. How many games has Zion missed now, Coca? Are we at 41 games yet? Because if we are, that means he's now missed half a season. He hasn't played a minute for the Pelicans. Whereas John Morant has the Grizzlies well over 500, doing great in the Western Conference. Tonight, they're playing the Golden State Warriors, who got Clay Thompson back. 
to a standing ovation. The guy hadn't played in two years. Remember, he worked his way back. He got hurt, I think, in the playoffs years ago. And then he got hurt again while he was rehabbing from the first injury. Lo and behold, there he is. Two years back. The Warriors can't be stopped. But guess what? The Grizzlies are at home getting two and a half from the Warriors. The Grizzlies are getting two and a half from the Warriors. We're taking them. Grizzlies plus two and a half. We're six and one. All right. Let's end. Oh, well, let me quickly do the wait to seize Coke, if you don't mind. And then I do want to get to see you want to talk to Samson. Wait to seize is when you tell you something's going to happen. When it does, yes. When it doesn't, no. We're going to revisit it. I revisited a wait to see yesterday that the Steelers will not make the playoffs. And I said, I got that right. I must have had tie on the brain because the Steelers did make the playoffs because the Raiders kicked the field goal. Therefore, the wait to see that the Steelers will not make the playoffs was wrong. Thank you for the correction. Thank you for paying attention. I don't pretend to get it all right. When I'm wrong, I'll admit it and correct it. On November 26th, 2021, just about a month and a half ago, there were some issues going on with the McClaskey brothers in Chicago, and I said, wait to see, Matt Nagy will not coach the Bears in 2022. Remember, that's when he was rumored to be fired during the week, following a like a Thursday game. They were going to fire him before the next game, or if he didn't win the next game, he was going to get fired. And we did a segment where I said, when there's smoke, there's fire. Get it? Double entendre. He is definitely fired, but the Bears do not make in-season coaching changes. So the owner said, I've got a great idea. I'm not going to make the in-season coaching change, but I'm definitely going to fire him after the season. That was the easiest wait to see ever. Wait to see. Nagy won't coach the Bears. Well, we got to wait to see for you today, and it's a good one because Stephen Ross, when he was talking to the media, and he never talks to the media, which is Tom Garfinkel's plan, the president of the Dolphins, Stephen Ross has been paying money to Michigan, building buildings and boosting players long before NIL was L-E-G-A-L. What happens in Michigan happens because Stephen Ross wants it to happen. Stephen Ross loves Michigan. Some people say he loves Michigan more than Miami. Do you love your college more than your current hometown? I ask you. I ask you. Well, guess what? Rumors started immediately. Jim Harbaugh, the University of Michigan coach, who finally had success, made it to the CFP. He may want to coach in the NFL again. Rumors that he may coach the Bears. Then the Dolphins fired Brian Flores out of nowhere. And people said, I get it. Stephen Ross has a deal with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is going to come home. Remember when he wanted to hire Jim Harbaugh and he flew a private plane out to meet with Jim Harbaugh and he got caught and yada, blada, yada. Well, that was clumsy. And then Stephen Ross made sure that Jim Harbaugh went to Michigan. Jim Harbaugh is making all sorts of money at Michigan because Steve Ross gives all sorts of money to Michigan. Steve Ross then decides, I'm going to tell the media that I am not going to take Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. So put that speculation to rest. So everyone said, that's it. Jim Harbaugh is not coaching the Dolphins. Not me. Because I read between the lines. Stephen Ross's exact line was, I 
will not be responsible for Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan. People in the media said, that's it. Fantastic. You're back, Jim. Do you know what Stephen Ross didn't say? He didn't say that Jim Harbaugh will not be the coach of the Miami Dolphins. So let me play this out. Hey, Jim, it's Steve. I'm going to fire Brian, but I'm going to say that I'm not taking you from Michigan. But we've got a four-year deal. I'm going to give you $9 million a year. You're going to come coach the Dolphins. But first, you are going to release a statement that you have decided to resign from Michigan in order to pursue opportunities in the NFL. Nobody's going to know that you resigned when you had a job already in hand. Can you imagine the joke of that? Because that's exactly what people do. They resign when they don't have something else. Remember when NBA, uh, bad back, kick, uh, four, six, nine. Do you remember when Major League Baseball players have player options? They're called opt-outs. And we told you that players don't opt out of a contract until they know they've got more money or more years, more guarantee from either another team or their own team. No coach resigns until he knows or she knows or they know they have another job. Doesn't happen. But don't worry, Jim. No one will know. It's going to be our secret. Because then when you say you're resigning in order to pursue NFL opportunities, I get to say I didn't take you from Michigan. Therefore, all the fellow alumni at Michigan who I love and care about, the president who I have a good relationship with, the board on which I sit, none of them will ever look askance at me It's a joke. Jim Harbaugh took a pay cut from $8 million to $4 million before this season, the whole COVID situation. Stephen Ross can pay him double that and more, and he can take over a team that should still have Brian Flores as coach and a team that in theory should be contending for a playoff spot. Then he can be the hero in Miami and live happily ever after with Steve Ross. So here is my wait to see. Jim Harbaugh will leave Michigan and will coach the Dolphins. All you have to do is wait to see. Stephen Ross has two gods that he prays to. One lives in Ann Arbor and one lives in Miami Gardens. Sometimes gods can coexist Sometimes they can't. Sometimes you're supposed to pray to only one God. Sometimes you don't. Stephen Ross decided there's a third God that he's going to pray to, and his name is Vince Lombardi. And he'll look up in the sky and say, is everyone okay? Because it's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.